Welcome to This Is What Democracy Sounds Like. I'm Kevin Prang. This program is a presentation of Metropolitan Congregations United. MCU is a community organization that brings together religious congregations, community groups, and individuals to work for common purpose to create a better life for all residents of the St. Louis region. We work at the intersection of race, economy, political power, gender, and the structures of oppression at work within us individually, within our organization, and within the community. We are working towards building people's control of the government, building community control of the economy, expanding the public sphere, and creating structural racial equity. Today, my guest is Michael Whittier, the Coalition's Director for Healthcare for Missouri Campaign, also known as Yes on Two. Today, we're going to talk about the latest developments in expanding Medicaid in Missouri as we approach the August 4th vote. Welcome, Michael. Thank you for having me, Kevin. So if listeners have not heard yet, Amendment 2 um, is what we're talking about, and voters are being asked to expand Medicaid coverage to more people, uh, and that's August 4th this year and not November. We want to reemphasize that. So Michael, just as a refresher, what is Medicaid expansion, and why has it taken a voter ballot initiative to try to expand Medicaid coverage in Missouri? Well, uh, Medicaid expansion is just that. It's expanding the criteria in which someone is eligible for Medicaid coverage in the state of Missouri. Uh, And so it has taken so long, uh, primarily because of uh, legislation, um, and our legislators in Jeff City couldn't quite agree upon uh, a way in which we could expand Medicaid. Um, and get services or access to care for many Missourians uh, throughout the state. So where does, where does the origination for expanding Medicaid come from? What is sort of the history of, of how this idea or this, this policy has spread across the country? So it, it has origins uh, back to the early 2000s, actually. Um, you see uh, states like Maine who have tried uh, uh, to expand uh, their programs. Uh, you've seen uh, Medicaid waiver programs, uh, meaning expanding uh, eligibility criteria for a certain group. Uh, but then uh, in the Patient Protection Affordable Care Act that passed in 2012, uh, uh, the uh, federal government incentivized uh, states to expand Medicaid coverage uh, uh, by way of Uh, the federal government covering 90% and states taking on 10% of those costs. And how many states have have taken advantage of this? Uh, 37 states now as of this week. So uh, Oklahoma expanded Medicaid this past Tuesday. And how did that come about? That seems like an unusual state to do that. And, And is there anything that we can apply towards our efforts here in Missouri? Certainly. Uh, It's similar to what's going on in Missouri. You see a state like Oklahoma uh, with uh, just a lot of healthcare needs, uh, economic needs, uh, and uh, the community spoke. Uh, They wanted to expand Medicaid. Uh, Ballot initiatives uh, have been a way to get that done. Um, And uh, what we saw in Oklahoma uh, was that Uh, The community members wanted to vote um, from uh, rural areas to urban areas within Oklahoma. 
and so what we can learn in Missouri is how do we keep people safe uh, so that they feel comfortable to vote during this unusual time, uh, but then also uh, what key messages can we make uh, Missourians aware of as we uh, prepare to vote on August 4th? Okay, great. And if Amendment 2 passes, what, what groups of people will, will gain coverage under this? Certainly. So the uh, sole focus of Yes on 2 is uh, the workforce. And right now, uh, in the state of Missouri, it is extremely difficult to get covered uh, by Medicaid. And uh, so there's a bunch of myths that this is uh, a, a welfare program, so to say. Um, and the reality is the majority of people that are on Medicaid in the state of Missouri are uh, those of us who are, whom are disabled, um, children, uh, refugee populations, um, and you have to make less than 3700 a year in order to qualify for Medicaid. Again, I'm going to repeat that, $3,700 a year. Uh, and so uh, it really allows us to uh, address our workforce, our essential workers uh, who are on the front lines for us right now working in our grocery stores, uh, providing services for us at organizations um, that make up to 18000 uh, or or less than 18000 annually. So it expands uh, coverage uh, just a bit. So those who are working, who are trying to work uh, um, and really trying to do what they can for their families uh, to get access to care. Uh, and so that's one thing we really want to focus on is that uh, this is not something that incentivizes people uh, not to work. It actually does quite the opposite. Uh, which is expands coverage to those uh, Missourians who are hardworking, who, uh, who need access to health care and doesn't want to sacrifice um, paying a bill or something that is a priority to their family for their health care. Uh, and so we don't want to put our hardworking Missourians in those type of situations. And uh, Yes on 2 will certainly get us uh, going in the right direction to cover uh, those hardworking Missourians who have been working so hard for us, especially uh, during this time. Okay. And so you mentioned the, the current cutoff was, uh, what again, 3,700, if I got that 30, correct? 3,700 uh, when... Uh, when talking specifically about income, um, the other eligibility requirements, again, are disabled children, uh, or if you're over the age of 65, et cetera. Uh, and so uh, this really allows us to increase that. So you see uh, uh, up to $18,000 uh, uh, annually, uh, but then also for families up to $30,000. So currently, for those who fall in that gap, um, when and how do they access medical care and what kind of pressure does that put on the rest of the healthcare system if, if they can't get it? So this is actually, um, when you do access and when we expand Medicaid, uh, what it does is allow opportunities for individuals in our communities to access uh, regular care. 
which reduces the burdens of our emergency departments. Uh, it uh, reduces inadequate use of our healthcare system. Uh, and so uh, there is uh, a lot of studies that have been done that shows that this uh, really uh, decreases ED utilization, emergency department utilization, and, and helps us extend care regularly to those who are now covered, uh, which ultimately has some cost savers in it. Uh, Missouri Hospital Association has done research. Uh, Washington University in St. Louis has done research. Um, and what it has demonstrated is this will have billions of dollars of cost savings for us uh, by 2026. So it becomes a preventative more than anything else then? Yes. So now that we're in the middle of our COVID-19 outbreak, uh, how has this reinforced the need for Medicaid coverage in Missouri? And if we had already had sort of this Medicaid coverage, how would that have helped in this, this current crisis? So specifically looking at our workforce and those who we're calling essential workers, this ensures that they have adequate access to healthcare. Uh, we are calling on our workforce in this time to address all of our needs where our grocery stores are really backed up. You see uh, some of our, our um, retail stores like Home Depot and Lowe's, Walmart, Target, uh, where uh, people are getting those essential products to homes in this time of need. Uh, but it really addresses those individuals uh, who need help, who are really sacrificing uh, their their safety, they're sacrificing um, their, their mental health in, in, in some cases. So really just extending healthcare to those who have sacrificed so much for us so that we can remain safe in the state of Missouri. And uh, just speaking from uh, the St. Louis side as it uh, pertains to COVID, uh, we have actually done a great, great job over here. Um, and uh, you see our hospital leaders, uh, the COVID Regional Response Task Force, um, and the work that they have done uh, to keep Missourians safe. We want to make sure we can continue to do that. We can extend health care to our workers who are uh, on the front lines um, in the instance that anything like this ever happens again. Uh, and so, again, it, it not only um, extends health care for the state, but it also uh, has cost savings uh, implications, which helps everyone in that instance. Okay. And it seems like a lot of the workers we're talking about are those that work minimum wage, mm -hmm. uh, probably not full time. And so you're talking about working multiple jobs in order to get close to full time wages, but, but still the lower on the, on the pay scale. Certainly. Uh, our, our workers who are working minimum wage, uh, our workers who are in between uh, employment, especially at an economic time like this, uh, those who are working in between jobs are, uh, are, are trying to make up uh, part-time jobs to be a resemblance of full-time employment. Um, and try to establish uh, a, a wage or a salary that's close to livable uh, for themselves and their families, uh, this really allows for them to get that access 
to the healthcare services uh, that's so desperately needed, especially at a time like this. Okay, is there anything kind of uh, specific that is going to benefit uh, a larger metropolitan area uh, like St. Louis and St. Louis County and city? Uh, well, you see specifically uh, jobs, that the cost savings that come into the state, but then also uh, the reimbursement uh, for hospitals, healthcare organizations, et cetera, that comes into the state. Uh, we really uh, can see uh, economic growth in our metropolitan areas. So uh, the studies that have been done uh, has projected about uh, 16,000 uh, plus jobs annually, which about 40% of those go to the Kansas City, uh, St. Louis, Springfield metropolitan areas with the uh, other 60% going to some of our uh, rural communities throughout the state. Speak a little bit more about the rural communities and the benefits. There are some, some real uh, gaps in coverage in, 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 in rural communities these days. We have lost uh, over the past decade or so 10 hospitals, 10 rural hospitals uh, throughout the state. Uh, and so Yes on Two uh, will allow for uh, those dollars to flow back into those communities uh, uh, through those healthcare organizations. It allows for uh, rural hospital viability uh, through Medicaid reimbursement. Uh, and, and not only that, you see those jobs coming back to uh, rural communities, uh, specifically uh, within healthcare organizations, for example. Uh, and those are quality jobs as well. You're talking about a projected nine out of 10 of those are $15 an hour over, over the, uh, or right at about the livable wage. Um, and so you're looking at not only economic growth, but access, uh, but then also sustaining healthcare organizations, hospitals, with the potential to even uh, reopen some of our, our hospitals uh, down the road. Okay. Now, a lot of people who are opposed to Medicaid expansion, I, I've seen this even this week, and I know we had even uh, the Missouri legislature was trying to make you know, budget decisions this week. They say that expanding Medicaid is going to put a strain on the budget uh, with taxes down right now. Will will expanding Medicaid actually do that? And, and where, where does the money come from for Medicaid expansion? So it, it's actually quite the opposite. Um, again, uh, Washington University uh, conducted a study uh, where we see $1 billion in uh, cost savings uh, by 2026. Um, and these are taxes that are going to the federal government already. Uh, and so we are currently being taxed. And so now that money will go to not only 36 states, but now 37 states who have expanded Medicaid, including now Oklahoma this past week. Uh, and so this, these are dollars that we are already uh, uh, having leave our pockets, leave our state uh, that never returns. Uh, and so uh, how it is paid for, the federal government covers 90%. Uh, and so when you look at, for instance, uh, you look at uh, women's health uh, and uh, a woman who's covered, uh, who's getting uh, a breast examination or whatever the case may be, uh, the state is required to cover 35% of that. Well, with Medicaid expansion, the state will cover 10% of that with the federal government uh, 
covering the other 90%. And so that's just one example of, of how we can uh, potentially move towards uh, cost savings in the state of Missouri. So it's really just bringing dollars back that are already right. leaving. Certainly, okay. certainly bringing dollars back. And it, do you have a comparison? Uh, I, I know that there are a couple of other states that, that passed Medicaid expansion by voter um, uh, initiative also, and I think like Nebraska was one of them and things along those lines. Is there a comparison to how those states have been doing compared to where, where Missouri's at? Yeah, so you take uh, Michigan, for example, uh, they were able to return um, billions of dollars back to their state, uh, 800 in uh, local revenues, and, and they also uh, saved more than $1 billion on mental health programs. Uh, and uh, in Missouri, as we know, we have a huge problem with opioids and, and mental health uh, and behavioral health. Um, and, and that's a, a topic that gets lost in the shuffle a bit here uh, with COVID and a lot of the other issues. Um, you see that uh, Arkansas, for example, uh, produced a net saving of more than $400 million in the last three fiscal years alone. Uh, so those are just examples uh, specifically of how we can show cost savings, uh, but then the potential that a state like Missouri has with expanding Medicaid. Okay. Now, originally there was some thought that this would be on the November ballot. And I want to remind folks, we're, we're voting this on August 4th. So circle August that 4th. on your calendar. <laughs> um, how had that decision changed how the campaign works and, and, uh, and how uh, we're, we're getting the messaging out right now? Well, certainly in a, in a shift, it, it accelerates messaging, it accelerates uh, raising awareness, um, and, and really that's, that's been it. Uh, we haven't had to deviate much, um, and uh, the only thing is, is how do we get our communities the information they need to make informed decisions? Uh, we want uh, people to understand uh, the information, the evidence and data that is there. Um, we don't want it to be a partisan uh, decision. Uh, yes on Two is a, a nonpartisan campaign uh, made up of healthcare professionals, doctors, nurses, and advocates who understand why we need access to care uh, throughout the state of Missouri. Uh, and so uh, really uh, we want to get as much information uh, to our hardworking Missourians as uh, best as possible, as fast as possible. Um, and so that's really the only change uh, that we've seen. Okay. And one of the surprising uh, turn of events was the Missouri Chamber of Commerce endorsed uh, Amendment 2, and they're not a, an organization that typically endorses um, projects like this. Uh, what, what was the reasoning that they had for uh, coming out in favor of Amendment 2? Well, specifically, it's the economic growth. As I mentioned, the evidence is there, the data is there. Uh, the other states before us have laid out uh, examples for which Missouri can uh, replicate uh, the cost savings that has been uh, seen in those states. Uh, and so at a time like this, uh, bringing back billions of our dollars uh, from uh, Washington, D.C. is uh, extremely important. Uh, the, the chamber saw that. 
they, uh, I'm sure they made a, a difficult decision uh, uh, to the points that you raised, Kevin. Uh, and so, uh, it, again, it just shows why this is needed. Uh, it, it's so desperately needed. The jobs, access to care, um, in addition to we see budget constraints already in the state of Missouri where we've had to cut uh, education, uh, infrastructure, uh, and other, other uh, parts of the budget. This allows for us not to do that. Um, and we really can uh, bring, uh, make uh, fiscally responsible decisions with the budget, uh, invest uh, in education, infrastructure, um, and other things that the state needs. Uh, and so this is an avenue or a vehicle in which we can do that. So with the COVID pandemic still a threat and our continued social distancing um, as part of our lives, what's your message for voters and how they should prepare for the August 4th election? Well, certainly first protect yourselves and your families. Uh, we know uh, it's seen in, in states who have um, demonstrated hotspots uh, within our own state uh, with our community members down in the, the southwest uh, areas of the state, um, that COVID is, is still um, in our communities. Uh, and so practice uh, pro proper social distancing, uh, wear face masks uh, if going to the polls. If you are a high risk individual, uh, you can also request an absentee or mail-in ballot. They are not the same. Uh, and so I do want to make that clear. Uh, absentee and mail-in ballots are not the same. If uh, you request a mail-in ballot uh, and you're not over the age of 65, you do have to get that notarized. Um, and uh, your local banks uh, and other places, and even uh, groups in communities are, are working on ensuring our community members have access to notaries. Uh, however, we do want to make sure that people are safe. I think that's the, the utmost importance. Uh, but it's our re responsibility to practice our constitutional right to vote. Uh, and so whatever makes sense uh, for you, your family, uh, please do so. Uh, in addition to that, uh, uh, July 8th is the last day to register to vote. Uh, so we, we have uh, less than, or what, five days uh, to register to vote. So that, that'll be the first step, get registered, get involved, understand uh, the issues that are on your, your ballots, um, and, and yes on too. <laughs> it's pretty simple there. <laughs> yeah. so, so are there any other ways that listeners can um, help the campaign? Uh, how, how do they get involved? Uh, certainly. Uh, there, uh, first, you can start with uh, yeson2.org. Uh, there's a ton of information there uh, where you can uh, endorse, uh, get involved. Uh, if you text CARE, uh, C-A-R-E, to 21333, that's three threes, <laughs> so 21333, uh, you'll get updates and information uh, about events, canvases, and uh, then you have text banking, uh, phone banks, uh, where uh, you, a group of friends, uh, your organization can call uh, our fellow Missourians to make them aware of Yes on Two, uh, the specific uh, information and uh, evidence that uh, really we spoke about today and the value uh, that's there for uh, all Missourians throughout the state uh, from our 
our rural communities to our, our suburban and urban cores. Uh, and so we really just want to get that information out. Uh, and so uh, however you get involved, uh, there, there are ways uh, for, for everyone throughout the state to do that. Okay, excellent. And one of the things MCU is encouraging is just start with the basics too of send an email to your family and friends. Start with the yeah. people you know. It, it can be as simple as that sometimes. Yeah, the, uh, and we, we have a, uh, a, an initiative that we're calling Text 10 where uh, you text 10 of your friends, those friends text 10 of their friends, and so on and so on. Um, and uh, that's really what we call relational organizing. Uh, where just spreading the word uh, through uh, our friends and families and colleagues is so valuable, uh, especially when dispelling myths uh, about uh, particular things on the ballot. Um, and this is one of them, uh, a topic that has been controversial uh, uh, without a doubt. Uh, however, uh, I can't say it enough, Kevin, this is nonpartisan. Uh, there's so much value for our state economically and uh, through healthcare access uh, that could really uh, change and shift our state for the better uh, for years to come. Okay, great. Thank you, Michael, for your time today. Thank you for having me, Kevin. All right. I really appreciate it. I want to thank our guest, Michael Whittier, the, uh, from the coalition. He's the coalition's director for Healthcare for Missouri Campaign, also known as Yes on Two. To learn more about MCU, go to the Metropolitan Congregation's website at mcustlewis.org. Also, be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and we'll have links to more Yes on Two information. Um, and if you want to participate with us specifically, you'll find the details there uh, on our website and our social media outlets. I'm Kevin Prang, and you have been listening to This Is What Democracy Sounds Like. Tune in again next time, and we thank you for listening. Thank you.